Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 41 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choroki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Had a lovely day. You were over. We hung out. Yes, yes. It was a very lovely time. Went for a yeah. nice long walk. The day was, the weather was beautiful. Was gorgeous, yeah. Couldn't ask for more, Dave. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I could ask for one thing more. I can ask for episode 41 of Joriki Sentai Ranger, The Dangerous Couple. Uh, but of course, Dave, before we get into that, uh, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, first star of the week is that the twins are uh, starting to do potty training. Oh, wow. Which is, I know, it's crazy. Uh, I say, are... oh, wow, as though I have some sort of inkling as to when children are supposed to start doing that. Uh, I don't have any children, and so I just, in my head, it's just in there as, yeah, eventually. No, this is, like, about the right, like, they're, they're pretty on track. This is around when kids start doing potty training. That's not, like, the wild thing. It's, like, the weird thing for me is a, just sort of, like, the shift for them, like, as they're, it's like, oh my gosh, you're getting, like, they're really getting big, like, you know, they're starting to do potty training. Um, they're starting to, like, put together a sentence. I guess this is, like, an inadvertent baby watch. Baby watch. We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby watch. So the other day, though, mom is visiting, which is super great, and because she, she came up to like help with the kids, just because she's um, she's a real saint, she's fantastic, <laughs> and uh, she's been here for like a week. And so the other day, she's like, "Oh, you guys like hang out, and um, or like you guys go hang out, and like I'll stay home with the kids." Totally cool. So we went out, and we're just like, "Ah, we'll just go go to the bookstore," and we're looking at potty training books, and there are. Like, you wouldn't believe, almost, Matt, except that you've worked in a bookstore, how many potty training books there are. Yeah, it, had I not spent a couple of years working in Borders, I, I remember when I was there being very surprised, like, man, how how much of a breadth do we need on this? So a lot of them, like, but most of them are not for adults. Like, the number of books for, like, hey, you're an adult, and, like, here's kind of how you potty train your kid, are fairly minor because... It's not like a super complicated process. You start to be like, hey, you look like you're maybe about to poop. Like, are you going to poop? And then they're like, yeah, I think I may poop. You're like, do you want to poop on the potty? They're like, yeah, let's poop on the potty. Um, that's fine. But the books are all for the kids. Yeah. And so they're like very simple books, but they're all about poop. And it's like... What kind of poop does a whale have? Like everything poops. <laughs> like like they've moved past everybody poops into everything poops, and they're like dogs poop, cats poop, birds poop. What is, does a whale even poops? Fish poop. Everything poops. You can like it's, but like the, that one stuck out in my mind because it was all questions. They were just like, does a dog poop? But they never answer. And then they're like, what does a whale poop look like? It's like I don't know. 
I don't have an answer to that question book. Like you assume, because if you're going to ask that question of a child, you need to have an answer ready because a child is going to say, well, I don't know. What does a whale poop look like? And I am an adult am not prepared to answer that question. Like, I don't know what whale poop looks like. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I Blue Planet, shrimpy, but I don't think that like, comes up. Yeah. So, no, they do not reference. They do not reference that. Uh Although there is a term called marine snow. Have you ever heard of this? No, and boy, I wish I hadn't. Yeah, marine snow is basically no, just I like... No, I get it. I context yeah. cues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what my life is right now, is we're just doing a lot of potty training books. And then we also got some books called Teeth Are Not For Biting, which is not strictly true. Uh, no. Teeth are, in fact, that's, that's one of its main things. Yeah, that's pretty much what they are for... Uh, they go into more detail in the book. It makes a little more sense. And then uh, hands are not for hitting. So that's a big one for us right now. I uh, Man, speaking of bathroom stuff, uh, I recently, I was having some plumbing issues in my bathroom, in my apartment. Whew. Yeah, that could have gone a way different direction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, folks. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to scare you. Uh, no, there was just like, they needed to send a handyman out to fix some things in the restroom in my ba- apartment. Um, there was a leak in the tub, but while he was here, I was like, hey man, um, maybe it's nothing, but for the five and a half years that I've lived here, the toilet in my bathroom, the tank takes forever to fill up. I've just always assumed it's a bad toilet, but since you're here, maybe you can take a look at it. So he looks at it and is like, oh yeah, no, these parts are just broken. Like, apparently I should have called him five years ago because I have been living with the frustration of having a super slow toilet forever and now it's it is as though i have a brand new fixture in there uh and it is i don't want to go so far as as to say that it is life-changing but it is definitely uh life improving that yeah i think that falls in the category of things that like you don't notice until it's fixed and then you look back at like low-grade horror at the last like whatever period of time we're like how did i go through my entire life Without this, I always equate that mentally. It's like the uh, it's like the long term mental equivalent of wearing ice skates. Like you put the ice skates on, you know what I'm saying. You put the yeah. ice skates on, and then once you take them off, you're like, oh, I did not realize how terrible those skates felt until I took them off, and now everything is awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very much like that, uh, and it was great. But that is not a super. Like I don't have a lot else to say on that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what is our second Star of the Week, Matt? Uh, second Star of the Week, Dave, is that I just got back from a short business trip to Music City. Uh, I was in Nashville for a couple That's of days. In, okay, yes, thank you, Nashville. I'm not a, I'm not super great about like city nicknames. I mean, it was just on a sign in the airport. I assume that's that was telling me the truth. There might be other cities that are also music cities. Um, but that is, I, I think, sort of famously it. Uh, and it yeah, w- no, no, no. Now that you say it, it like you know, I, I can, I it makes sense to me. I hear it, but uh, anyway, it was great. I'd never been to Nashville before. Um, uh, yeah, loads of people live there, so they clearly like it. Yeah, uh, apparently, like a hundred new people every day. There are a lot of people moving to Nashville. It is kind wow, of really? absurd. Wait, a hundred, a hundred people a day, Dave? They're in the middle of building like at least a dozen skyscrapers right now. It's out of this world. Dude, that's I don't I don't know what at what point a building becomes a skyscraper, but they're building a lot of buildings, is what I'm saying. 
Um, cool. Yeah, it's just like the city is going nuts right now. It has been for the last couple of years. Um, but it was a lot of fun. We went to a honky-tonk bar. I listened... Okay, we went to this bar, and there was a band on stage. The lead guitar and the rhythm guitar guys both definitely looked like they were in a country band. The bass guitar and drummers 100% looked like they were from a metal band. And at some point, they played, like, a blisteringly great cover of Purple Rain. And I thought, like, wow, this is, like... This is such a great, weird American Venn diagram that it, like, it could not have been more delightful, really. That's, no, yeah, that's really fantastic. I, uh, A, have never been to a honky-tonk bar and frankly don't, really, is it just that they play honky-tonk music? Is that? No, I, I think what it is, and like, I was there for three days, I'm sorry listeners if you are from Nashville and I am screwing this up, but I think the idea is that it is a bar that has a stage and on that stage there is always a band. And I think that, like, historically, the music they played was honky-tonk music. Or rather, the music that they were playing came to be called honky-tonk music because they were playing it in honky-tonk bars. Um, but I think now, they're, like, they'll sort of play whatever. Like I said, they're playing Purple Rain. Uh, like, they do definitely play a lot of country music, but they'll kind of go anywhere with it so long as people are willing to tip them. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, I'm not a musician, but yeah, that sounds pretty standard. The one thing that did occur to me while I was there is that it's got to be cool if you are the sort of person who loves to go see live music all the time, if you live in Nashville. But if you're somebody who doesn't love seeing live music all the time, it must be so exhausting for every bar and restaurant in the city to have a band on stage every single night. Like, that's just oh, a yeah. lot. Like, to never yeah, be man, able to escape is, it. Uh, yeah, dude, that is not my... Like, I can just tell you for sure, that is not my thing. Like, my like I am not a dude who's like, wow, oh, let's go totally check out some live music. I was like, no, man, if I want to go to a bar, I want that bar to be, like, real chill... Ideally, there would be uh, no music playing. No music, no other people, just a cold, dark room with a comfortable chair and a beer. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you can just just go drink in your basement if you want. Well, that's usually what I do. (laughs) It sounds sad when you say it like that. But yeah, that's generally what I do. I don't really go to bars anymore. Um, well, you have two small children and you're a high school teacher. Well, yeah, that is also a really large part of it. So wait, did you eat? Like, there's a thing, right? There's Every city has like a thing. It's like a Nashville Nashville hot link? Nash, no, hot chicken. Hot chicken is their thing, right? Um, Nashville hot chicken? I did not have any like specific like Nashville hot chicken. I had a lot of barbecue that was all very good. One of the places, I got like a platter, and on that platter was some fried chicken, but I don't remember it being particularly spicy. Okay. But the barbecue was well, all great. Hey, listen, dude, I we've talked a lot about barbecue on this show. For a show that is not expressly about barbecue, we talk about barbecue a lot. Well, Dave, barbecue is very good. Barbecue is very good. Actually, nifty plug, if you are looking for, if you happen to be looking for a podcast about explicitly about barbecue. (laughs) I forgot all about this. The Retrogator Radio Network has recently added a show. It's called Smokey and the Bearcat, and it it is a podcast about barbecue. So if you want that... It exists for you. You can go listen to it. Yeah, at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Uh, so, Matt, what is, unless there's anything else, I mean, I will happily listen to travel stories about Nashville, but uh, 
what is our third star of the week? Dave, third star of the week is actually while I was in Nashville, unrelated except for the fact that I was in a hotel and that hotel had cable and that cable package had the History Channel. I was watching mm. one of my favorite... Something that was not history. Of course. Um, I was watching one of my favorite, like, throw it on cable when you're in a hotel shows on the History Diners, Channel. Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. No, Forged in Fire. That's also very good. I only say Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives is my, like, if I have cable on, like, if I have cable access, like, I'm going to watch that. Uh, I want to watch that show. I like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I do find it exhausting because every time I watch it, I fall into this, like, mental hole where I try to find the camera shots in the episode that last longer than three seconds. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. And so I just find... I may have even talked about it on the show before. I just have, like, a a constantly resetting three-second countdown in my head the entire time I'm watching that show, and I just, yeah, I can't do it. No, I do it too. It is low-key exhausting. Here's the thing. All the places that, that Guy Fieri goes look very, very good, and I am very interested in those restaurants. And so I, like, I'm watching it, like, I'm watching it through Guy Fieri, which, let's be real, Guy Fieri actually seems like a really nice dude. Yeah, I, I'm, I feel as though 2018 has been, there's a lot of bad things this year, Dave. Um, but one of the good things this year has been the sort of cultural, like, recognition that, like, oh, we've all been making fun of Guy Fieri for 20 years. He's actually a really good guy, and his food probably actually tastes good. Yeah, so anyways, you were watching, you weren't watching Diners, Drivings, and Dives, you were watching Forged in Fire, which I also love. Yes, Forged in Fire, if you've never seen it, is a reality competition show with people making knives and swords. Yeah, it's pretty much the height of television. Yeah, like, they have a couple of challenges in the beginning where they're all trying to make, like, the same kind of knife, like, in a day, in, like, this studio where they're doing the thing, and then the two like, final winners of that day go back home for five days where they reconstruct a historical blade and then bring it back for a series of tests. And yeah, whoever wins is was, the Forged and Fire yeah, anyways, champion. It's, like, what a fantastic idea. Now, do they do, like, a grand... Do they do, like, a season finale, like, a grand champion? I think that maybe they do, or at least... I feel they, like they should do that. They do have episodes where, um, like, previous champions will come back and compete against each other, I believe. See, no, see, that's very good. I did not know this. That Did you know every year, like, Jeopardy has a championship? Like, there is a dude who wins Jeopardy for the year? Oh. Like, every year. Is it just Ken Jennings every year? It's not Ken Jennings every year. Um, but, yeah, like, there is just a dude who wins Jeopardy. That's what Forged and Fire should do, and then... When they've had, like, on their fourth season, they should have, like, a super grand champion where, like, the previous grand champions from the f- past four years. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so let me, Dave, tell you about the the new show in the Forged in Fire cinematic universe. Wait, this isn't even about Forged in Fire. No, no, this no, no, was, no, no. Forged in Fire is a lead-in to, okay, Forged no, in Fire is the lead-in. There is a spin-off show called Forged in Fire, Knife or Death. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the problem with that. There's no way that that show is actually what it should be, which is you forge a knife and then like you and the other competitors have to kill each other. Okay, it's not that. It is 
like you, they they do forge their own knives. They show up to these comp a competition with knives or swords that they have made, or I think that maybe they could have had made for them. Um, like if they are not themselves a bladesmith, but I think a lot of the competitors on this show are bladesmiths who have made their own okay. thing and shown up. And okay, then yes, it's like. Okay, you know at the end of an episode of Forged in Fire, we're like, okay, we've got to do the the strength test, so chop through the ice block and, like, cut the rope and do all this stuff. But it's not... Oh, yeah! It's not the people who made the weapons doing it. It's, like, the experts who are going through. So, Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, is a blade-based obstacle course. Or maybe not obstacle course, but, like, in the same sense as, like, American Ninja Warrior... Or just, I guess, Ninja Warrior. But it's like, okay, like, here's the bit. You need to chop through these ice blocks with your sword as fast as you can. You need to cut these ropes and, like, do all of this stuff. And, like, oh, and it's hosted by Bill Goldberg. What? Yeah. So there's a show called Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, hosted by Goldberg, where a bunch of people make swords, then bring them in and run through a series of obstacles. And that show, I know, does have it. Will have a season end, uh, like tournament of season champions. grand champion, stone yeah. circle death match. That is actually here's the other thing. That is actually amazingly not unique to the show. They'll like cut through the ice and then like do a bunch of other stuff with your knife. There is a like competitive knifesman thing yeah. like this is like a pre-established competitive circuit uh that exists yeah. which is wild to me you can also see these incredible feats accomplished on uh oh gosh what is that there is a company that makes swords and knives and stuff and they have each for each weapon that they sell they have a promotional video that's just one of the guys who works there just like cutting through a cowboy boot full of pork or like <laughs> slicing through a beer keg with a claymore. And, like, you can tell that half of the reason that they work at this place is so they get a chance to do all this stuff. Um, anyway, I am looking forward to, hopefully, getting stuck in a hotel and watching a uh, marathon of Fortune Fire Knife or Death. Um, but until I do, that's all I have to say on it. Hey, Matt, just real quickly, I wanted to, I wanted to look it up before I said it to make totally sure. Uh, the YouTube channel is Cold Steel. Cold Steel. And yeah, it is, uh, it is dudes just like getting ham with the company product. It's pretty fantastic. There is another, can I just say real briefly, aside from like competition shows, I know I mentioned that I was watching The Great British Bake Off a little bit earlier. So we were like mid-season on this year's MasterChef, which is a show, like Beth and I have watched every season of MasterChef. And... But but Great British Bake Off hit Netflix like right in the middle. And so we're like, MasterChef, 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 MasterChef. And then we watched all of Great British Bake Off. And we finished Great British Bake Off. And then I thought about MasterChef. And like I just couldn't go back. Like Great British Bake Off is so, we've talked about it before. It's so nice and so pleasant. And like everybody is great. And everybody is like so cool. And they're just making all this like lovely stuff. I thought about MasterChef where everybody's like yelling at each other and Gordon Ramsay is telling people to like kill themselves because their souffle is bad. He didn't actually say that. But like, I just like, I just can't go back, man. It's just like, you're too intense, MasterChef. You got too much going on. I just want to rewatch an old season of Great British Bake Off <laughs> is what I want to do now. I remember, uh, so I remember when Katie was living with me, um, I would come home and like, go to look at something on YouTube and discover that she had like 
totally screwed up all of my YouTube recommendations because she had spent two days watching nothing but YouTube videos of like the Aust- like the Great Australian Bake Off because she had run out of Great British Bake Off. Yeah, it's it's really terrible because for a long time I've had a very carefully cultivated like YouTube recommendations. And now I watch videos for the babies, and so now it's all, like, jacked up. Uh, So, Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, fourth star of the week, um, gosh, we have been talking for a while. Um, Fourth star of the week is another thing I watched. I watched it last night. It is on uh, Netflix. There's a documentary about the game Go, and it's called The Oh, man. I just, uh, the, the surrounding game, right? The surrounding game, yeah. Yeah, I literally, I just put that on my queue last night. Dude, we didn't watch it. It's very good. Um, I don't want to tell you too much. I mean, it's, it's, a, it is a documentary kind of about the history of Go and kind of about, it is centered on a Go tournament that was hosted in America that was set up to determine and establish like the first American pro ranked Go players. Oh, that's very cool. So, like, it goes, it's sort of going back and forth with talking about the history of the game, and then, like, seeing, it really follows, like, these four teenagers as they're trying to do it, Uh, because uh, a lot of Go players, a lot of the best Go players start when they're, like, six, and so by the time they become, like... kind of the way with that sort of thing. Like, if you want to be a chess or a Go grandmaster, you cannot start at the age of, like, 35 and be like, no, I think I'm going to pick up some chess. Like, this is kind of a lifelong... Yeah, like, it, it is too late for me to ever be good at Go, sadly. Like, I, I am too old. You cannot begin the training. <laughs> Which stinks, because every time I watch something that's about Go, I get really into the idea of playing it. Uh, like, we bought a Go board when we were teenagers. I've got it, and then, yeah, uh, I've, I've still got it. It's a beautiful board. It's nice. N- it, yeah. It's not one of like the classic Go boards that are like two feet thick, uh, but it is wooden. Um, it's nice. I, I also did at one point watch like all 75 episodes of the anime series Hikaru no Go. That's just all about like, it's kind of all about a kid playing Go. And then there's also a ghost. It's very good. Um, I like Go. I'm sorry that I will never be good at it. And you should watch this documentary. um well actually that speaking of i didn't watch that because what i did watch was the season two of the good place just hit netflix oh cool oh this is uh, star five oh yeah star five star clacks on uh last year's tv the good place is very very good television like it's very good very clever like surprisingly intriguing, like twisty turny television. Um, I'm very excited about that. I, I'm not going to say famously because like nothing I do is famous. But uh, amongst the people who know me very well, like I don't watch a lot of TV, especially TV that everyone says is great and I should watch. Like, I just don't have time. There's a lot of Sentai that I need to watch. Um, but I did actually just last night watch the first episode of the first season of The Good Place. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's good. It's, it's, it's a good show. It's very, very good television. I just, sorry, guys, it's been kind of a weird week for me. I didn't have a whole lot to talk about. And I was like, man, I managed to watch like three episodes of a TV show I really liked. And Matt was like, that could be a star. I was like, I hope so, because that's what I've got. <laughs> well, thankfully, Dave, um, we have already been talking for almost 25 minutes. So Ooh. I think it is about time for us to end the five stars and move into... Episode 41 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. It is called The Dangerous Couple. Uh, it was written by Noboru uh, 
Sugimura. Uh, you can watch it if you have the DVDs, or you can watch it on ShoutFactory.tv. I recommend that you do. This is a good one, and we'll talk about it when we come back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 41 of Choriki Sentai Ranger. Uh, there is a lot going on this week. There is. Boy, howdy. This is a packed episode. It is also very, very, very good. It is very uh, good. It is it crazy is... that they're making these many big moves this close to the end of the series. It is, but you know what I really dig about it is this feels a lot more like an episode of Sentai than I than I feel like O Ranger has been really cultivating. Yeah, it's got that like things are real crazy and over the top, and like a lot is happening, and uh, it's all like wild and weird and fun, and uh, I really love this episode. So when we when we left off last episode. Princess Multiwa, which, oh, I looked this up, Matt. I was going to mention this to you earlier. I looked this up, and her name is some sort of dog pun. Oh, is it? Uh, I don't quite remember. Yeah, it has something to do with, like, a breed of dog. Huh. So, like, even though she has no canine sort of features, like, Bulldont is, you know, like kind of a dog pun, and Multiwa is also somehow a dog pun. Yeah. Oh, um, hey, by the way, did we did we really talk about what... Multiwa looks like when uh, she was introduced last week, or did we sort of gloss over that? Uh, no, I don't think that we did. She is definitely a ladybot. Yeah. So what's what is strange about the design of uh, Princess Multiwa, or uh, she? We're calling her Princess Multiwa right now. By the end of the episode, she will have a new title. But Multiwa, uh, regardless of her rank and royalty, um, it's a very cool design. But it is perhaps what I'm going to call 15% too sexy. That is... Yeah. Maybe 10%. That's... Like, there's... Like, it's just enough of sort of like a semi... Like, lingerie style look. That, like, it throws me off a little bit. I mean, yeah. Like, in any other circumstance, I, I would just be like, Oh, that is a lady bot. Like, given that it is a children's show, it is a little... Like, hmm, yeah. hey. But, like, the actual, like, design and the shape of the face and, like, the sculpt of the hair on this, like, design is very good. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that is a very good way to, to say all of, all of those things. So, Princess Multiwa, at, at the end of the last episode, had basically romper-stompered all over, like, the team and Bomber the Great and Gunmagin. Yes, she is crazy powerful. And uh, she... So, Bama the Great thinks that... He's like, oh, you're a robot. I'm a robot. You're clearly from Baranoia. I'm the Emperor of Baranoia. You're obviously here to help. Well, and she says... Awesome. She says to the O-Rangers, like, I'm not going to let you, like, take Bomber the Great with you. Like, he is coming with oh, me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now, and he thinks, aw, cool. This is great for Bomber. Uh, it is not. Yeah, it is, it is not. Fact, it is definitely not. It's going to get pretty raw for Bomber pretty soon. Um, <laughs> yes, this is, this is, oh, yeah, well, we'll just get into it, because I don't want to, I don't want to wax poetic about how raw it is before we actually say what happens. Yeah. So, and just to, oh, and Gun Gunmagin is also there and does not seem to be able to, 
just stop her. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's because no one wished that he would stop her, so he's not really giving it his all. Well, okay. I was actually going to goof on this for a second, but I think you might be right. Uh, but he doesn't. Like, whatever the case is, is that he does not, like, immediately defend himself from her. Yeah. Um, so Bomber retreats. Yeah. Like, she, he's out. He gets enough breathing space that he can get away from the Rangers and Gunmagin, and he retreats. Yeah, and uh, Princess Multiwa sort of covers his retreat. Yeah. By destroying so we, all of the O-Rangers again. Half of this yeah. fight is filmed at, like, a really intense Dutch angle, so it kind of looks like they're fighting on a very steep hillside. And I don't know how much of that was just an artistic choice to put the camera on an angle and how much of it was actually trying to convince us that people were about to fall down this hill. It's it's not clear. Um, it, it, plus I mean, it always, looks cool anyway. It does look really cool. And I never know how steep these hills really are because sometimes you're like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then they pan out and they are actually doing stuff on a very, very steep hill. Um, so the next scene is we see Bomber the Great and he has made it to the moon. Hooray. Everything is great now for him, he thinks. Everything's coming up, Bomber. He's totally wrong. He arrives on the moon and Princess Multiwa immediately attacks him again. And he's kind of confused and she basically says like, no, no, no. I was only saving you from the O-Rangers so that I myself could kill you. Right. Like, Empress Hysteria has summoned me so that I can be the new Empress of the Baranoia Empire. Uh, and I'm here to destroy you just sort of to kick things off. Yeah. So before she does that, though, Kaiser Bulldone arrives. Yes. I Okay. We, we get some, like, green electricity coming in from off screen to attack... Uh, our, our boy Bomber. Bomber the Great, yeah. And then that he... That sad, sad rocket boy. And then he looks up and he sees, like, the silhouette of Kaiser Bulldone. Okay. Here's the first crazy thing this episode. He immediately says, oh, he's like, Bulldone, how did you survive? Well, no, no, no. Bulldone the, the, does the, not introduce himself. The first thing that happens is Bulldone says, don't you recognize my face? Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is the craziest right. thing in the world because he has a brand new face. Yeah, the it, the only thing that looks similar is that he has the same little like domey lights on the top of his head. Yeah, but even everything else looks completely. Even different. the rest of the top of his head looks different. Like those dome yeah. lights are coming out of a different hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the only thing is these three little stupid dome lights. Everything else is completely different. Yeah. He says, "Don't you recognize me?" And Bomber the Great does, in fact, recognize him. He's like, "Oh my gosh, Bull don't." You survived, blah, blah, blah. And Bulldone... Which is madness. Bulldone looks very cool now. He's got a, he he's got a tricorn he's like a hat. Crazy, he's like a robot pirate captain? Yeah. I think is the... He's got some, like a neckerchief. Like a buccaneer. And a cape. Yeah. Don't think... Uh, yeah, don't think like fantasy pirate. Don't think like Captain Jack Sparrow. This is no. much more of like a classic... Buccaneer. He's a robo buccaneer. He's halfway but is what's going He's like on. halfway between that and a revolutionary war hero. Yeah, it's um And he has wings on his shoulders. Not like wings on his a, back, yeah, but no. like shoulder pads and the shape of wings that sort of he come off very, the side. He's got like real intense epaulets. Yeah. Is, yeah. So despite the fact that Bomber recognize like he recognizes that like something has happened, and I think Bulldone even says something to the effect of like I've absorbed all of my father's power. 
Um, Bomber the Great is still putting a pretty brave face on this, and he's still going to try and attack. He doesn't actually even get the chance to do that. As soon as he kind of stands up and prepares to fight, Prince Boltone <laughs> turns into a literal world. Oh, he's got this like crazy sword, too. Yeah, the sword kind uh, he, of looks like it's cut out of a giant piece of circuit board. It's a yeah, it's a really neat idea. And he just turns into uh, Kaiser Bulldog, that is, turns into a whirlwind of green energy. Like he's just animated and he just kind of flies all around the screen and and hurts Bomber the Great very, very badly. But Bomber the Great, he's not willing to give up yet because, you know, like he's the Empire he's the Emperor of the Baranoia Empire. Uh, oh, yeah, they are talking. Kaiser Boldon is saying things like, how dare you, like, usurp my father's throne, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of, like, Inigo Montoya-style talk yeah. here. Um, uh, Bomber the Great says, like, listen, even though you're both here, like, you caught me off guard, that's fine, uh, but you're still not going to be able to beat me. Uh, and he turns himself into his rocket form and starts to, like, missile himself towards the two of them. And then they join together in... It's called a love attack, and we get, like, an animation that is, a like, a brief cartoon picture of them holding hands in a big heart. And, yeah, and then they both uh, transform into energy. And, like, the, the, the joint energy of their love attack repels his missile form. I recognize that there's a lot to unpack in that sentence. You're just going to have to trust me that that's actually what's happening. Like, literally, this is not a metaphor. The joint swirling energy of their love attack repels his missile form. That's, yeah. um... It's amazing. Yeah, no. It's, it is, it's incredible. Uh, So, then... I think this is probably where I would say that the that the rawness starts. Oh, oh yeah. This is where it starts to get very bad for Bomber. Because at this point in the episode, Bomber has just lost a couple of fights. But <laughs> Prince Boldo wanders over to the now like prone body of Bomber the Great and just starts hacking at him with his sword. Yeah, so so he cuts Bomber the Great's arm off. That's that's the first thing that he does. And then once he cuts his arm off, Prince Multiwa shoots him with an energy arrow in the other arm. And that like so now, makes his arm fall off. It's it's not a slashing weapon, but let's just roll with it. Uh and, and at this point, Bomber the Great is like, dudes, like, come on. Like, I give up. You win. It's cool. Like, you can have the throne back. I Yeah, like, I'm super sorry. Like, please. Like, please forgive me. Uh, like, I will just... I'll leave. Like, I'm good. Like, I surrender the throne. You guys win. And Bol- like, I'm and good. And is like, oh, no, 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 no. No, my friend. You have committed a great <laughs> no. sin against the you, Baranoia Empire. You started Empire. this. Uh, and now, you're going to have to make it right by killing the O-Rangers. Now... No, that seems fine. Yeah. It seems like Bomber the Great would be pretty in on that anyways. Um, well, we will, we will see later in this episode that it is not exactly how Bomber the Great would have planned it. Yeah. So, we go from there to the the base. And somehow the Rangers have like a live video feed to the move. Well, what what what's happening is that they're sitting in the headquarters. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. And they're, to, My they're sort of reviewing game tape, right? 
That's right. Like, they're watching then, themselves get defeated by Princess Multiwall when all of a sudden, like, the screen changes to show Kaiser Bulldont, and he's like, hey, what's up? It's me, Bulldont. I'm back. So Momo says, oh my gosh, he looks completely different, which, yeah, he does. Um, and he says, my boy Bomber the Great is here to kill you, so good luck with that. Not actually, I hope you die. And the chief immediately, like, he knows something is going on. He's like, mm, this is really weird. Like, he doesn't know exactly what. But, you know, like, the chief, the chief has got a weather eye for this sort of thing. Uh, and then we, we flip to some footage. Like, they're, they're getting, like, a surveillance footage. And Bomber the Great is just wrecking the city. But it looks a little weird. Well, okay, first of all, he looks very different. Because his right arm has been replaced with, like, a sword, like a big blade arm. And his left arm has been replaced by, like, a like a bomb. It's another bomb. So this bomb... It's another this bomb. This bomb man with his bomb body now has a bomb hand. It's all bombs. It's bombs all the way down. I don't actually know if you noticed, Matt, but his sword has a bomb hill. Does it? As well. That's extremely good. Yeah, it very much does. So he's... So Bomber the Great... I guess just Bomber now? I don't know. No, that's the thing. He they is... keep referring to him as Bomber the Great. Like, Bomber the Great was not his, like, name and title. I think just his name is Bomber the Great. Well, that's fantastic. So, he is, like, wrecking the city. But you can tell it's not, it's not controlled. Like, he's kind of flailing around as he destroys the city. Like, something is not right. Not right with him. So... Someone says, like, he's going to destroy the city. We have to defeat him. <sighs> yes, guys. Yeah, definitely. Like, you did not wait, need to waste time saying that. And, like, the time it took you to say that, he soared the giant sword. Oh, Bomb of the Great is already giant, by the way. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Like, he already giant sworded another building. Like, let's skip the dialogue. Just just get moving. So, they henchmen. Yeah, it's it's and important they, to be clear and purposeful about your actions, Dave. They just want to make sure that there's no confusion in their plans. So, so they summon the block of robos and they, uh, you know, like they, they summon the block of robos, they jump in, they just do some energy blasts on Bomber the Great. It, he doesn't actually seem to be do, putting up much of a fight. Yeah, he's just like, he's um, just on a rampage. He's not really fighting them. Yeah. So he, they form O Blocker. They're like, let's just finish this, like, form O Blocker. Uh, his. This, I think, is a real missed opportunity. The bomb on his left, his, like, bomb fist on his left arm, it does not actually shoot off as a bomb. I guess it would be a missile, but whatever. It's it's like a disguised gun arm, like a Barrett-style gun arm, which is very weird to me. Like It's like you gave him a missile arm, and then the missile was a gun. Why wouldn't it just be a missile? Hey, listen, his missile is a body, his missile is a gun, his sword is a missile... It's all it's oh, all missiles. Okay, so what you're saying is they had a it's all rocket gun. Like <laughs> it's they all want, this is actually gun. literally a rocket gun. So you're saying they really wanted a gun, but they felt the need to stay. Right, there's a design motif. On type. Now what I do appreciate is that presumably Kaiser Bulldont is the person who commissioned like the repair of Bomber the Great and felt that it was important that he he maintain Bomber's motif. Like he didn't have to do that. And I like that he did. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, there, you, we will see in just a moment that he is not allowing uh, Bomber the Great any sort of, like, dignity in his defeat. But he did at least do this, which I think was nice. Yeah. So, while they're fighting, so, like, Bomber the Great manages to hold out another minute. And then all of a sudden, he stops attacking. And he, he sort of, like, puts his bomb hand to his head. He's like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Like, what am I doing? I've got to get out of here. Turns out, Bomber the Great is basically, like, Kaiser Bolton overrode his, like, personality AI matrix. Yes. And is, like, mind-controlling him to do this. Oh, uh, we, we see Prince Bolton and Princess Muldy, or Kaiser Bolton and Princess Muldy, while, like, on a building observing all of this. Right, and they're sort of, like, shouting and, to the O-Rangers, telling them what's happening. Yeah. And so what it turns out is the case is that they have overrode his like personality AI matrix, but they have they've done it in such a way that like every once like he can he's a prisoner in his own body and every once in a while the mind control loosens its grip a tiny bit and lets him realize that he's being mind controlled and that he can't do anything about it and then reasserts dominance. And they say that, like, that that's not, like, a little slip. They say, we set it up that way to increase the psychological torture for him. Like, this is very much on purpose. Right. It, it wouldn't have just been enough if we had turned him into a rampaging monster and had you blown him up with your cool glowing sword. Like, we needed to really twist the knife on this guy. Yeah. So... It, I mean, like, it's still, they are just still going to kill this this sad missile man with their giant glowing sword. Uh, well, they well, get tackled. I was going to say, first, the they first. need to throw a giant football robot at him. <laughs> they do throw a giant football wheel at him. I was him so happy to first. see Tackle Boy. I've missed him so. Tackle, I love Tackle Boy, but he is such a weird. Uh, I mean, I guess he's like the mecha version of, of Giant Roller. So that makes some sense, but like the mashup of football and he's a wheel, but he's also a mecha. And he's also a bowling and he ball. Can roll him, and also a who's a bowling ball. Like they're just they're trying to get a lot of things in here. I mean, I don't so, I, I don't know what's wrong with that. It's it works perfectly. He is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, listen, I don't want to make it sound like I'm complaining. I'm just having a little trouble getting my head around. Yeah, I don't I don't so, know Tackle how Boy, like the people in the writers room got to the point where they have put together Tackle Boy. I'm just saying I'm glad they did. I feel like they've just got to be throwing darts at a board. Like eventually that that's just the conclusion you come to. Um so they they do Tackle Boy and and so Bomb of the Great is basically out down for the count. But then King Pyramider shows up and he does a thing and uh, this is actually the first time we've seen King Pyramider combine with O-Blocker. Yeah, so when he was combining with the Cherokee Mobiles, remember, he, there were, like, shelves in his back, and they all loaded into his back like a series of tiny batteries. Um, this is very similar, except that the shelves are gone, and O-Blocker just sort of walks into, like, the giant cavity that is the opening of uh, King Pyramider's battle form's, like, body. Which is a weird thing, but, you know, whatever. There's only so many ways these toys can, like, fit together. Yeah, so... I, the only thing that's kind of throwing me off about about it is that 
they've still got the giant like Gatling shoulders up over King Pyramid's or giant Gatling guns, sorry, up over King Pyramid's shoulders. But those are from Red Puncher, so I don't know how they're here now. Um, but they do uh, Super Legend Beam. They do Super Legend Beam on Bomber the Great. Bomber the Great goes down. He's basically down for the count. Yes. They're like, okay, cool. Great job. Uh, Bomber the, Go over and, and at this point, Bomber the Great has, like, he has a little death scene. He doesn't just blow up. Like, he's lying on the ground. And the Bomber the Great, like, rubber suit is on fire. Like, the shoulders of it are on fire. Which is very weird. Because I'm used to there being, like, sparks and explosions. But the fact is, there's somebody in that suit, and it is currently on fire while he is still acting. And that's gotta be, like, that's a risky maneuver. Yeah, that seems like it would be... It's a little spooky. I mean, yeah, it would be concerning. I would not want to be yeah. the dude in 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 that suit. Uh, but what he says is like, um, you know, I've always been a lone wolf, and now like I'm gonna go out how I came in. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of it for his speech. It's not like some moment of grand eloquence. Yeah. Um. <laughs> poor man, Bomber the Great. Like he now he does admit at the very end. He's like, I really should not have even tried to do this. Like this was an ill-conceived plan from the beginning. So he dies, and then I th- the most glorious thing happens, Matt. Yes, because the O Rangers are thrilled. They're like, man, we beat Bomber the Great. This is awesome. And then it turns out like the level of Matrushka bomb goes at least one deeper because out of his back rises like a bug emerging from like a, if you ever seen like a bug molting, you know what I mean? It kind of splits out the back and there's a new, it's a gross image I know, but it's all I could think uh, of. I, I was going to refer to it as a butterfly coming out of its cocoon, which is a much nicer image. Well, it is, except that the cocoon isn't, isn't butterfly shaped. Cause it's really, it's like a bomb coming out of a bomb shaped thing. Because that's what happens, is a new bomb rises up out of out of Bomber the Great. Yeah, um, and, and Kaiser Bulldog says, like, man, didn't you know that he was just like a giant bomb with arms and legs? We have programmed the bomb that was inside of him to go and shoot at the sun, and it's going to blow up the sun, and then Earth will be plunged into, like, eternal cold and darkness, and all of you Jokers will die. Yeah, so like they're 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 playing. Yeah, so what they say specifically is that the sun will be blown to atoms, which okay, I feel like Kaiser Bulldog has a fundamental misunderstanding of how the sun works. Yeah, because the sun you is already like, a giant explosion that is blowing things. Yeah, to atoms, you sort right? of you you can't really out explode the sun. Like that's pretty much what it is. All like it's it's a giant explosion already. Yeah, I mean, what he's trying to pull off—it's very very large. What he's trying to pull off is like the DC crossover event, Final Night. <laughs> Just like turn off yeah. the sun and then the Earth will die. Like that, it's like a mashup of that and the Sun Crusher. Yeah, it's I similar think... to the Sun Crusher. Hey, so... here's my hot take: the Sun Crusher ruled. Um. 
I mean, listen, if you're if your leadoff weapon is a is a gun that can blow up planets, you've got to go somewhere. Oh, uh, if you, the listener, do not know what we are talking about because you did not read a bunch of uh, Star Wars Extended Universe. Matt, I, let's, let's, let's be real. If you're listening to this podcast, the likelihood that you have not read a bunch of Star Wars Extended Material is probably fairly low. That's true. But hey, Matt, a lot of that stuff's out of print. I'm just trying to cite our sources. Okay, so anyway, Kipteron. Uh, there's a lot of spice involved. Anyway, sorry. That was Kipteron, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Cool, was. Cool. So, so the Sun Crusher is a weapon that would like launch a little missile into the sun. It would make the sun go supernova. And it was like a step up from the Death Star because it would destroy basically an entire solar system by consuming it in the gigantified Nova version of the sun around which it was orbiting. So maybe that's uh, so, what they're going for here. Yeah. So they're like, well, this is obviously terrible. Uh, we can't really do anything about this. And Gun Mansion is like, oh, I can do something about this. Quick, someone make a wish. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say that. He just walks onto the screen, and the kid also walks onto the screen. And the writers of the show, I think, say Gunmajin can solve this, but he does need a little help, a little guidance. Yeah. And so the kid's like, please stop that giant missile from exploding the sun. And Gunmajin says, on it. And so he just, we actually, it's very much like um, Jet, Jet, Jet Buster. Who flew to the sun? No, it, was, it was Bara Bara Missler. Was it? Oh yeah, yeah. It was Bara Missler, and, and it was just um, Oh Robo. Yeah. So they've done the sun thing twice now. Where so Gunmajin just basically like fl- catches it. Yeah, he flies right before it hits the he sun. He flies about ninety three million miles in the course of five seconds. Uh, Very grabs impressive. Grabs the missile and just sort of like turns it away, and then it launches off into deep space and explodes there. So cool. Very good. Um, I am um, glad that this worked. It was a little anticlimactic, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit. Um, but they're like, hooray, we saved the sun and also Earth. We go from there to the moon, where a very imperial sort of wedding is happening because Kaiser Boldont is marrying his cousin. Yes. Which... Well, that's a, listen, that's a very imperial thing to hey, do. Hey, maybe, maybe Empress Hysteria is Princess Multiwaz and in a sort of like family friend kind of way. You, you know that's not true. It could be. You know it. We don't heart. know that it's not true. We don't, listen, examine your heart, Matt. You know it to be true. This dude is marrying his cousin. It's definitely happening. I would also like to point out, just in principle's sake... The principal, though, is still a very little boy. I mean, listen, they're robots. I don't know how that works. Like, Okay, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he got an AI. Oh, actually, that doesn't make sense. He does see much more. He got a maturity-like software patch installed or something. Um, The Rangers are watching this ceremony happen from, from their base. I think we can only assume that Kaiser Boldent is broadcasting this on. Yeah, because actually, uh, near it just it raises too many questions. If the Rangers just have like video surveillance on, the yeah, moon. we're actually going to see in a minute that it's not just in the O Rangers headquarters that they are watching this. Like all the TVs and like big screens out on the street are also playing it. Yeah, so he marries his cousin, and uh, 
Empress Hysteria is there, but she is now an old lady robot, yes. which is you amazing. You can tell because her metal has all turned gray. Yeah, and she's got like a little cane and she's sort of like hunched over. And she says, I am now the Dowager Empress and I will I will support you both. Yes. Acha and Kocha are still oh, there. Oh man, they're so thrilled to see a wedding. They love ceremonies and they're super loyal. It's so incredible. And they're like, oh my gosh, Prince Bulldown or Kaiser Bulldown, you Emperor Bulldown, you're the best. We love you. We knew you would win. And he does call them out. He's like, you guys seem to switch sides a whole, whole lot. And they're like, well, no, though. And like, we that's do, in the past. We are super loyal. That's happened before. And now we're super loyal to you. And that apparently is enough for Prince Bulldown. Like, he's cool with that. Um, uh, the, and then we go. There are a lot of fireworks. Lots of fireworks, fireworks on the moon. Uh, the fireworks. We're deeply interested as to how that's the happening. The fireworks. I mean, listen, it's the it's the Baranoia Empire. I'm sure they got, like, weird super science fireworks. Um, also, some of the fireworks go off and then they form the words just married in the sky, which is super great. So we, we go from there, we're down into the base and the Rangers are like, Ooh, this, like, this is very bad. Like, this is very, very bad. They recognize that, that they need to power up. I don't think like they say it in so many words, but they're like, Baranoia had a really serious power up. Like we like we just know that we have to up our game yeah. to to make this happen. Uh and it's great because the way that what I love about any season where the bad guys are living in a base on the moon is that whenever the heroes are very determined at the end of an episode, they just go outside at night and shout at the moon, which is choice. Like, there is nothing better than heroically shouting at the moon. Yeah, I mean, how do you not love... Like, just basically, how do you not love right. that? It's like bark at the moon, but slightly different. So, um... Yeah, that's basically the end of this episode. Yes, Dave, but it is not the end of our episode. Because yeah, we, now we didn't we... have a Monster of the Week this week. But, I think we can actually, if we want to spend a few minutes, we have to put Bacchus Wrath... And Bomber the Great, both on the Creature Royale. Okay, now here's another... I agree with you. Here's another quick question. Does Prince Bulldown go on separate from Kaiser Bulldown? You know, I'm going to say no, because we have Tran and Transa on the list in the same spot. Like, it's just... Okay, I agree with you. I just felt like we should address yeah. it. We okay, will, We so... have broken things up before, like uh, Jim, the Demon Fist from Dire Ranger is on a separate part of the list as uh, the hunger demon that had, like, possessed him. But those were, like, different Well, yeah, I think they're very, very separate. Okay. So, looking at our boss list, it currently goes Gray from uh, Jetman, Uh then Young Noble Jr. from Cocker Ranger. The best. I guess the second best. And then, (laughs) yeah, and then Radigat from Jetman again, and then Shadam from Die Ranger. Die Ranger. And then Maria, also from Jetman, and then Gara from Jet uh, Die Ranger, Daimu from Kaku Ranger, Gobi the Fifteenth from Die Ranger, Tran and Transa from Jetman, Akamaru from Die Ranger, and then Zydos from Die Ranger. Yes. So here's what I would say: I don't. We're not. I'm not even looking at Gray or Young Noble Junior. Oh no! No no no! I I like Bacchus Wrath a lot. Like I, th- I do actually. I didn't think I was going to, and I, I really warmed to him in the yeah. end. 
Um, I think let's let's do Bacchus Wrath second. Let's get Bomber the Great out of the way first. I think Bomber the okay. Great is somewhere in the. He's cool, and I think he does belong on this list of boss characters. Oh yeah, but definitely. he's only in the show for like five or six episodes. Um, he gives the show a cool flavor while he's around, and he provides a cool sort of catalyst for the transition from like the early part of the show where it's all Bacchus Wrath and Empress Hysteria to the last part of the show where it's Kaiser Bulldont and uh, Empress Multiwa. Okay, well, I think the person we're looking at then would be Gomer the 15th. Yeah, I think he's going to be around Gomer the 15th. And, man, that's a toughie. I think I, I think I gotta go below Gomer the 15th. You know what? Honestly... Yeah, definitely below Goma 15th. I mean, it's been a few years since we've watched Dire Ranger, but... Like, Goma the 15th is just so absolutely off the walls. And he's cool, and he's like a secrety character in a lot of the show, and he has that throne room made out of moving pillars. Yeah, it's it's buck yeah. wild. I really did Goma the 15th. And I don't, I don't think Bomber the Great is as good as uh, Tran. Well, he's probably better than Tran, but he's not... He's better than Tran, but he's not as good as and Tran. And Tran's was very good. Yeah, so I would say uh, below... Okay, so I think we're agreed below Tran and Transit, but still above Akamaru, who is terrible. Um, man, I don't know. I love Akamaru. Okay, yeah, but like, dude, Bomber the Great had like banners, and he's a missile man. He is a treasonous missile man. He's definitely... He he's, is a treasonous throne usurping missile he's man. He's definitely better than Zydos. He's definitely better than Zydos. Akamaru is a button boy. Yeah, but he's like he's a very evil button boy. He, he well, he is maybe the evilest button boy. Do you remember how often he threatened around. to crush people with his own hand? But he was a tiny boy, and so when he made a oh, fist, man. he was like okay, tiny, actually, but still so good. Okay, I actually had forgotten that. The fact that he does threaten to crush people with his own hands, despite the fact that he is a very little boy, will do it for me. Yeah. Okay, so Bomber the Great goes down at slot the new slot number 12. I think Bomber the... Yeah. Uh, he's still better than Zydos, because everyone is better sure, than Zydos. I like Zydos, but Zydos is only barely on the boss list. And frankly, I think Bomber the Great is only barely on the boss list. If we were putting Bomber the Great on the Monster of the Week list, I think he would have... I think he'd be much He would have been a yeah. lot better. Yeah, I would have put him in like... You know, top twenty probably. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, yeah, like he's so definitely, he's Rath. definitely better than Hammer Chameleon. Let's let's not put him on that list, but let's just real quick find a spot for him. Um, I would put him somewhere around Gali Sensei, right? Or the Hungry I Wolf think that is around like seventeen. Yeah, 18? I I would put him. I think actually. Yeah, I think I would actually put him right there. I'd put him above Hungry Wolf Demon and below Gali Sensei. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's think about Emperor Bacchus Wrath. Again, he's no gray. Sure. Who is? And I, I don't think he's a young noble junior. No. And frankly, I think the fact that he doesn't last for the whole season hurts him in the final rankings against Radigat and Shadam. Yeah. When I... I think I, I definitely dig him more than Gara. Gara's really cool, and she's extraordinarily petty, which and I she's like. She's got the whole thing with um, Kujaku, which is extremely good. Right. And she's got, like, like kind of a really redemption neat. arc at the end. Like, a little bit. 
Yeah, and I don't know if that. I think that actually kind of hurts oh, her as a, no, as a I, villain. I goes. mean, it might hurt her as a villain, but I think it definitely improves her as a character. And this is the list yeah. of like the best characters, not the evilest villains. You know, right? So, but Maria is above her. Well, actually, Maria is above her. I think really on the strength of that she is ultimately Rie and and Maria. Yeah, there was a stuff. lot going on with her. That was like um, that was a very well drawn character. I'm thinking, man. I think Bacchus Wrath is closer to a Daimao. Okay, well, I was actually just going to say, I think Daimao is my floor on that yeah. one. I think Bacchus Wrath is definitely better than Daimao. Okay. Um, Bacchus Wrath... I might like him better than Gara. When, Bacchus, when they remember to write Bacchus Wrath as like a cool, threatening character, he's very good. But there is a lot of time where he's not that way. But man, when he is that way, he's very good. He's so I was good. Just I also think the, he gets hurt a little bit. I was bit. just remembering... His character design is really weird. You know, it is weird. But like, do you remember the episode where... Gosh, what was his name? Um, the, the, the machine beast that was... Like, Barrel Revenger? Was that his name? The, the machine uh, beast yes. that was like made out of junk of previously destroyed robots... Like, mm-hmm. when he breaks into the throne room and tries to defeat Bacchus Wrath. Like, Bacchus Wrath is like a, sort of like a big, round robot. But when he is fighting Vera Revenger, like, you get the sense that he is a very imposing figure. Yeah, like, he does not mess around. Okay, I, you know what? The more we talk about it, I like Gera a lot. I think maybe Bacchus Wrath goes above. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, and Prince Bulldont would go very low down, but now Kaiser Bulldont is going to pull that up. That's going to be a that's going to be a tran transit situation eventually. Yeah. Okay, so we're settled. He's better than Gara, but not as good as yes. Maria. So, okie doke, and that th- is going to do it. For yes, us. Dave, that is going to do it for another episode for Your Eyes O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or you want to check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is that you find the show. Uh, if you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio podcasts, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.